Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs, and it is great to have you with us. Today, we'll take a look at more than a few questions about American life and culture, politics, and economics that very few folks want to talk about with you or even mention. That's actually what we do here most of the time, isn't it? That's what we do as we pursue truth, justice, and work hard to preserve the American way of life in the face of retaliation from the increasingly hostile, aggressive enemies of our great nation, foreign and domestic, all conspiring against this great republic. So let's get to it, starting with five cops killing a man in Memphis, Tennessee, as horrific as any murder we've heard about. I don't know a thing about Tyree Nichols other than what's been reported. Five men, five killed him, and Nichols stood six foot three and weighed only 145 pounds. He had Crohn's disease. No one claims he had a weapon of any kind, and they killed him. It's all on video, vivid and sickening. And now comes the Marxist left clatter in the media. Even though all involved were black, CNN contributor and activist Van Jones says it may still be driven by racism, really. It also could have been bloodlust, I believe, why does the left not want to acknowledge five sadistic men without conscience killed this man, Tyree Nichols? Another commentator said it was about white supremacist policing. Well, there's a problem with that. The police officers were all black, and the chief of the Memphis Police Department is black. A black woman runs the department. Note most of those commentators didn't mention that their livelihoods and standing depend on proselytizing race pushing CRT, critical race theory, and EID, and ESG, and pushing systemic racism as dominant in American society. They dare not speak of individual responsibility, acknowledge that evil comes in many forms and shapes, and in that horrific moment in Memphis, pure evil destroyed a precious life. You will also hear other excuses for the actions of these men, and among those excuses, that if Nichols hadn't resisted, he'd be alive. Really, that's an excuse for five police officers to beat a man to death? America is now caught in a vicious collapse of consciousness and conscience, a willful denial of individual responsibility for our actions, a refusal to see events and actions for what they really are, not accept outright lies from our politicians of both parties, nor their specious rationalizations of why immense economic power always wins against working men and women and their families and small businesses, why the two largest teachers' unions in the country can effectively shut down our public schools in a pandemic but can't be held to account for the monumental damages to our children's development and education that were the consequence of their demands. Why do we not have answers to why our government and economy isn't working for our middle class and all who aspire to it? 
Why is there no accountability for corruption in America anymore? And how can President Biden's classified documents scandal get progressively worse and his son's business dealings remain uninvestigated after more than four years? Those are just some of the big questions facing us and this great nation. Our guest today is one of America's great journalists. He's in the business of answers. He's the founder and executive editor of Just the News, John Solomon. John, great to have you with us. And let's start with the Biden presidency, riven with corruption. Can Biden avoid these scandals getting even worse? Yeah, probably not. Listen, I think we've had the warning signs of what the Biden family was really about and the conflicts of interest and appearance of conflicts of interest that they were going to pose if they ever got control of the White House, going all the way back to 18 and 19, starting with Peter Schweitzer's great book, then the reporting I did at the Hill, then what we learned in the impeachment scandal, and then everything we learned from the Hunter Biden laptop. This was a family that so long, for so long, pursued uh, foreign money to enrich itself, uh, uh, sometimes with uh, countries that we have the greatest, gravest concerns about, China, Russia, Ukraine, um, uh, Kazakhstan, among the places where Hunter Biden pursued uh, wealth on behalf of his family. And it was inevitably going to come to this point. There would be a moment where an action was taken or a discovery was made, and we'd all go, hey, wait a second, is this because they took the money from China or they took the money from Ukraine or they took the money from Russia? And we've reached that point now. These documents existing in the home where Hunter Biden spent uh, a part of his life uh, declaring his official residence in 18 and 19. Uh, the Penn Biden Center where Joe Biden got his $911,000 payday for basically a no-show professorship. Uh, the classified documents residing in those two locations, both locations, the beneficiary of China money. In the case of the Penn Biden Center, University of Pennsylvania got $67.6 million of China money, 47.7 million of it while Joe Biden was working as their guest professor. And then Hunter Biden, while living at the Wilmington, Delaware residence, pursued that CEFC China energy deal in 2017 to 2018. That's the one where there's the talk of the big guy and Joe Biden getting 10% of the deal. Uh, that's where two of the principal Chinese executives end up getting arrested, one in China, one in the United States. And it's where the Biden family walks away with some nice wealth, including a 3.2 carat diamond and a $5 million no interest forgivable loan that was forgiven by the Chinese, basically free cash for the Biden family. The documents residing in those two locations, given the history of that family, were inevitably going to lead to the questions that now James Comer, Jim Jordan, and others have begun to ask. Uh, and, and those questions are, are going to come fast and furious now because the, the committees are underway. I, I want to ask you, though, about why we're having so much trouble, in your judgment, getting a handle on what is happening with these documents. Yeah. These documents, it, it's straightforward. The man has, what is it, four four residences, four homes, including vacation homes. They've looked at two of them. I believe that's correct. Uh, they've looked at the Penn Biden Center, but there is also the University of Delaware. That's right. With a, a tremendous uh, number of uh, boxes of sealed documents that they're not going to release until two years after he leaves office. Yeah. Uh, this is, that, that's fine. There's a, 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 why don't we look and see well, how much money they've gotten from China? Because there's no reason for a U.S. senator to have sealed documents uh, sitting in a university when the purpose of 
having that person have an affiliation with that university, probably, well, one would assume, is education, which means you have to have knowledge and information with which to work with students. What in the world? How corrupt is the University of Delaware? Well, what good is a library if you can't check out any of the information and look at it, right? It's a library without any public value, and it basically becomes a parking place for Joe Biden to keep his documents away from us while he's president. And I think that's the sad thing. The idea of a library is great if you can actually access the documents. That's what the archives are about. That's what uh, many of the historical libraries of former presidents and uh, former senators allow us to do, to go in and research and learn things. Joe Biden does the opposite. He uses this library as a parking place to keep us from finding out what went on in his 50-year career in government until, well, after he's out of it. And so I think there's a lot of frustration there, but there's a lot that can be done. Congress has the power of subpoena. Uh, the House Republicans are now in charge. They have a motive and an interest to look into it. And I suspect we're going to learn a lot more about the flow of money, about what may be in those documents. And I think that the, the, the early investigation is going to focus on three questions. The first question is, at the locations where we now know classified information was improperly stored by Joe Biden, Penn Biden Center, his home, maybe other locations, who had access to those homes at that time? Did any foreign powers visit those homes? Did any of Hunter business, uh, Biden's business partners meet at that home or have meetings at the home? That'll be the first question. And because the Biden family claims it doesn't have records, the Congress is going to have to turn to the Secret Service and see what records they may have. Uh, same thing with the Security Service at the University of Pennsylvania to see who had access to that event. The second uh, part of this is, was the Chinese targeting of money to the University of Pennsylvania to Hunter Biden part of an influence operation? Were they trying to get their hooks into a family that might become the next president of the United States? And did that money and did the people around the Biden family have relationships with the intelligence community? Were they trying to compromise the uh, uh, Biden family to get something to the benefit of China? And then the third question, which already has erupted into public with some reporting we've done to Just the News, is what, what actions did the Biden family take uh, or the University of Pennsylvania take that benefited China uh, to the detriment of U.S. national security. And we know a couple of them already because of the reporting we've done. Let's start with what we know about the University of Pennsylvania and the Biden administration. We mentioned the money that UPenn got, $67.6 million from Chinese sources, $47.7 million of it while Joe Biden was getting his $911,000 payday there. Uh, after uh, Joe Biden leaves the university, becomes president, the university and its faculty wage a lobbying campaign to stop the FBI's primer, primary counterintelligence program trying to root out Chinese spies and academic uh, in U.S. academia. It was called the China Initiative. Chris Ray, the FBI director, gave a speech at the Reagan Library just a year ago saying it was such an important program and the threat of Chinese espionage in academia was very severe. The Justice Department had a web page that boasted about all of the espionage that had been thwarted by this program. Within two weeks of the University of Pennsylvania beginning a pressure campaign, putting out an open letter to the Justice Department saying, shut down this program. It's racist to look for Chinese spies by Chinese origin. That's kind of a strange thing. What other way would you look at Chinese spies? Uh, the uh, Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, shut down that program over the objections of the FBI over the speech that Chris Ray had just given saying the program was so important. So that's one big action that's been taken that we know uh, benefited China and was carried out by one of Joe Biden's 
enrichers, the University of Pennsylvania, which, by the way, got some of its money from China. How many more decisions like that have occurred uh, that we don't know about or that we're going to find out about? That's the third rail of the investigation that Republicans have going right now. And that is plenty to work on. And amongst the questions that arise, uh, why hasn't somebody paid attention to the fact that uh, oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserves right. ends up in the hands of the of the Chinese? That's right. What, what in the world is that? I mean, that's sort of in-your-face quid pro quo. It was. Uh, as we look at uh, his posture uh, on China uh, and Taiwan. It is It is really, at the very least, weak need, at the very worst, accommodating and complicit. Well, Lou, in the last 24 hours, we just got more word that makes a lot of people worried about China security even more alarmed. The Biden White House told us last night that it will veto any legislation that the Republican Congress might pass uh, that would ban uh, future sales of oil from the SBR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, to China. Now, why would he do that? Here's an interesting thing. That law, that bill that was in the House, got a lot of Democrat supports. It's a bipartisan issue. Both Republicans and Democrats believe it's a good idea to ban China and other enemies from getting our oil from our Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And yet Joe Biden in the last 24 hours has announced to his White House He'll veto that legislation if it gets passed by both chambers of Congress. That's a head scratcher. And again, like going back to 2019, when we learned that Joe Biden fired the Ukraine prosecutor that was investigating his son's company, like what we just heard about UPenn with the closing down of the FBI China initiative program, like the SBR. Now, you've got three instances where the financial interests of the Biden family align with decisions Joe Biden took and seem to be. Uh, antithetical to the American interest when you think about it from a common sense perspective. That's why people like Senator Johnson, Senator Grassley for years have been warning Joe Biden is over a barrel with foreign interests. People like China, Ukraine, Russia have bought their influence. And no matter how the president acts, we're always going to wonder, did that money his family took from that country, this country, that country affect his judgment? And a retrospective, uh, if you will, uh, on the Biden involvement in the uh, Obama-Biden administration. Uh, 2014, uh, Ukraine, uh, eastern Ukraine under severe threat and incursions by Russians and uh, uh, their uh, their little green men. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, they managed to take Crimea without so much as a, uh, a protest from Barack Obama. How how widespread is the corruption of the U.S. intelligence agencies, the FBI, the Department of Justice? Because there is a link amongst them all in a number of geopolitical and geoeconomic issues that we have, uh, you know, ha have watched over the course of the past decade. This is very serious stuff, and we have a country that is so divided. It's going. It's only going to make it more difficult to get to the bedrock truth of what has been going on in this federal government, which is rife with political corruption. Well, you ask, and you rightly focus, Lou, on the, the potential corrupting of our intelligence agencies, our law enforcement agencies, of course, all the work that you and I and others did, Sean Hannity and others, to expose the Russia collusion ruse for what it was, a false criminal investigation made to look like an intelligence threat. Well, yesterday, 
we just saw one of the FBI agents who worked on that case was working for a Russian oligarch even before he quit his job at the FBI. And then he tried to hide that relationship because it would have been in violation of U.S. sanctions with Oleg Deripaska uh, by taking cash and laundering the money and keeping it uh, below the radar. Well, that's a pretty significant round of corruption, and it really gives us yet another reason to wonder about whether we can trust our FBI, whether we can trust that. Now, now let's take Oleg Deripaska, a Russian oligarch, somebody who the um, uh, FBI and Hillary Clinton's researchers tried to portray as corrupting maybe the, the link that uh, organized the hijacking of the 26th election, which, by the way, never occurred. Russian Donald Trump never colluded, but Deripaska was the theory that the FBI had, and they got that theory from Christopher Steele, Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for researcher. What did we learn about Christopher Steele? We learned that Christopher Steele actually worked for Oleg Deripaska before he went to the FBI with these allegations. He had a conflict of interest. That conflict of interest was so glaring that the CIA flagged it for the FBI saying, hey, be careful. Maybe Oleg Deripaska has corrupted, gotten too close to Christopher Steele that you shouldn't trust Christopher Steele's dossier and the FBI willfully and uh, knowingly ignored that. The same FBI that employed the man that was also working for Oleg Deripaska. You see this pattern merging. I'm going to take it one step further. Oleg Deripaska was somebody that Hunter Biden sought to make money off of. There is a series of emails I made public last year, got a lot of attention, when uh, right after Joe Biden gave a speech talking about aluminum and metal and Alcoa and being Alcoa, the American company uh, that makes aluminum, you know, battling against foreign competitors like Rusal, which was uh, owned by Oleg Deripaska. Hunter Biden concocted a scheme of how he was going to make money. He wanted Alcoa to pay him money so he could go dig up dirt on Oleg Deripaska and they could get an upper hand on Oleg Deripaska. So Oleg Deripaska has a connection to Hunter Biden, to Christopher Steele, to Charles McGonigal, that FBI agent that was indicted yesterday. The Democrats, the deep state, have a bigger corruption problem than was ever found, because none was found when they investigated Donald Trump for similar things. You say this often, and I, Lou, I think the evidence becomes more overwhelming. Democrats, when they launch a scandal at re Republicans, often are projecting their own sins on Republicans. And that's what you see in the case of Oleg Deripaska and the Russian oligarchs. Vice President Mike Pence has been discovered to have classified documents in his home in Indiana. So uh, the the scandals are beginning to swirl, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, and you wonder just which is uh, which of these is well, they're all political, I suppose, and in, in in any uh, uh, sense of the word. But now Mike Pence doing the same thing. There is every reason to be very suspicious now of what is happening and why we i haven't got the details on how they were discovered and which documents of course uh, we haven't even learned that when it comes to the most recent uh, batch of documents yeah. uh, found in uh, in joe biden's residence uh, his center and his garage uh, we're looking at a country right now that must realize i'm talking about the american people irrespective of democrat or republican Everyone in this country has to be at least beginning to realize that there are immense problems of integrity and in, and competence in this federal government. It is outrageous. Yeah, you, you hit it on the head, Lou. That is what we're learning. That same intelligence community that wanted to spend all that time concocting 
a uh, false uh, illusion that Donald Trump had a problem with Russia is unable to protect its own documents. It doesn't track them properly. Neither the National Archives, the CIA, the NSA, or the FBI are properly tracking documents. That's how Mike Pence ends up with some in his home, and Joe Biden ends up with some in his home, and and uh, Donald Trump ends up with some in his home. Now, Donald Trump, of the three, had the, the most power to declassify and determine what documents he wanted to take with him. The vice presidents didn't enjoy that power, but the community doesn't track these documents. If you think something is so sacred that it needs to have a high classification uh, standing like top secret or secret, then you should have a tracking system. You should know that Hillary Clinton is pushing the classified information through her private email server. They didn't. They should know that Mike Pence accidentally or intentionally took documents to his home. They didn't. Joe Biden, the same thing. Uh, 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 Donald Trump, the same thing. In fact, one of the theories that I've heard in the last few weeks is that some of the documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago might actually have been documents that the CIA brought to Mar-a-Lago to brief the president in 2017, 18, 19, 20, when he was president, and they didn't bother to take him back home with them. There is a lax system, that very big deep state that's been getting more involved in censorship and politics, not doing its core capability of protecting its own secrets. And of course, that there is another construction of that uh, possibility uh, of how those papers got there. The CIA simply forgot them uh, in place in Mar-a-Lago uh, for the very specific purpose of knowing they're there and would be available to them should they want to pressure Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, at very least odd, they, always possibility. That's why we have to, that's why you want a better system than the one that we now have right now. John, as we've gone through this over the years, one thing keeps coming up for sure and certain every time. There will be a demonstration of incompetence on the part of the FBI, the Department of Justice, our intelligence agencies, or there will be evidence of clear and unyielding uh, of corruption uh, and political corruption at that that works only one way, and that is against Republicans. Listen, this is why our founding fathers so feared and uh, tried to create a constitution that would keep us from having a large central federalized government. They knew that big government in America could one day resemble King George's heavy hand on the colonies. And so they set out to create a constitution and a bill of rights that would keep us from ever falling under the thumb of that government. In the last 10 years, we increasingly have become under the thumb of a big incompetent and sometimes corrupt government able to create false illusions that hamper a president, able to go to big tech despite the First Amendment's clear declaration that the government shouldn't pass a law or take action that infringes our free speech and get individual American opinions censored because somebody in the government didn't like the opinion, able to create a letter to make us all believe that the Hunter Biden laptop was a ruse when in fact, a, a Russian disinformation, when in fact, it was an actual piece of criminal evidence that the FBI already had in its possession. That is what the founding fathers feared on their worst day when they put the, uh, the Constitution together. And in this, the advent of the 21st century, we're now being able to witness why they feared it, because we're seeing federal agencies infringe our rights, create false realities, put our national security at risk, risk through either incompetence or political nefarious motives. And that is why we need to take a deep breath take a look at the size of our government and figure out how do we shrink it back to a size mm -hmm. that it can't infringe the way it is infringing in most recent years.
You know, I've got no problem with inhaling, uh, taking a deep <laughs> breath, uh, so long as we're in motion. That's right. Uh, and uh, required. And these committees, I am, I am, I am very concerned. These committees are getting far more press and PR uh, than they are making headway in those investigations. Uh, and I'm making that judgment, I realize, unfairly because I have no idea yeah. of uh, of what they have. But I don't see the energy being devoted to those investigations. The size of the staffs aren't large enough, uh, to my understanding right now, yeah. to be doing what they need to be doing. They should, uh, frankly, they should forget about the debt ceiling and move very quickly to raising the budgets for the judiciary and the oversight committees in particular. Uh, and and drive as hard as they can, uh, because they don't have a year. I think there are some who think, and the political savants think, well, they've got a year to talk about it, yes. uh, demonstrate well, the truth. No, they do not. I think they have it best, and I'm going to give them a window here, of 90, to six, 90 days to six months. Yeah. If they don't That's do right. something, the American people are going to be frustrated out of their minds, and we're going to have to ask the question, is this government capable of responding at all to obvious corruption? There, you know, anyone in this country who pays attention to news and the developments in politics knows that the government is politically corrupt, knows that the radical Dems are absolutely a, I, I mean, they are Marxist in ideology, philosophy. Uh, and when Hakeem Jeffries says, we are unified, he's right. There isn't a single word of dissent. They have all the same face. They have all the same voice and view. The Democrats, the radical Marxist Democrats in this country. Meanwhile, the Republicans are having debates and arguments about policy and about the way forward. Uh, it is a remarkable contrast. Yeah, listen, uh, the Democrats are good at running the clock out on Republican investigations. That's what happened on Ukraine. That's what happened on Russia collusion. Uh, this new group, talking to James Comer and Jim Jordan, is acutely aware of that failed history, and they want to defeat it. I will say this for what we don't see. We don't see a lot of action in public besides some press conferences and some letters, right? But behind the scenes, I've talked to some of the investigators. They have been working on this for six or seven months. They have roadmaps. They have documents they've not yet made public that they've gotten from whistleblowers. They're probably a lot further along in understanding how big the corruption is, whether when they're going to make that public, I don't know. But one of the things that went on last summer and fall that we couldn't see, you and I couldn't see it, Lou, except when Jim Jordan would make a passing reference to it, is right. these committees were, uh, were interviewing 20-plus FBI whistleblowers in excruciating detail. They got huge roadmaps, and in some cases, they got documents that really proved the wrongdoing. I think we'll begin to see the fruit of that. But you're right. Americans don't want press conferences. They don't want glitzy hearings. They want action and accountability because they've been denied it for most of the last six years. They saw the special counsel's investigation result in acquittals, not convictions in the Russia collusion case. They're tired of the bad guys getting away with things. This Congress has to deliver actions and scalps and fixes. They have to fix the problem or they'll be out of business much, much sooner. The American people will fire them quickly. Despite the utter failure, of John Durham. The national media is scared to death to say that John Durham is part of the problem. He was, he pretended to be solution bound. He is without a doubt, a man who ended up exonerating the guilty uh, and giving them a uh, get out of jail free card uh, for life. It's, he was not being, 
He wasn't simply being cautious and careful and sure. He was, as you say, running out the clock and and absolutely incompetently pursuing what should have been justice that turned out to be just another way to make sure that the Department of Justice is where truth goes to die. Yeah, listen, when you look at the end result, uh, the Durham investigation gave us a few explosive revelations, but none of the accountability that we were looking for, none of the accountability that we thought the Justice Department would meet. Oh, yeah, there's been some people fired, right? But that's not what we were looking for. We wanted people who broke the law to be punished. He failed in securing those in, uh, convictions in the District of Columbia. Uh, he may have picked the wrong venue for those sort of uh, trials. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know what? He has to live with the record he created, and it's not an impressive record. We'll get a final report. Maybe that'll become public someday. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more. Some more people will be shamed in the public court of opinion. But accountability in the court of law has evaded most of the bad actors of the last six years, and that track record doesn't seem anywhere near abating. It looks like we're headed to more examples of people walking off unpunished. Unpunished, and uh, you mentioned the venue, and I think that's very important because the January 6th committee didn't choose uh, to operate along with the Justice Department in D.C. by happenstance. Nope, they didn't. 97% of that uh, population goes to, goes to the jury trial. They're they're cheering, they're cheering for these these criminals and creeps, and I'm talking about the judges who are over uh, over sentencing, who are oh, I, I mean they're acting like hanging judges. There is no way that these sentences being handed down are in any way proportionate to the overcharge, even uh, on the part of the prosecutors and the FBI, and they are in, without question. I mean, absolute an outrage against the against those who are defendants in the January sixth uh, scandal. The scandal is now that of the FBI, the Department of Justice, and this administration and the Democratic Party. Yeah, listen, there's an amazing story that I, I use often when people say, "Was well, there really a dual system of justice?" Take a look at some of the defendants in January sixth that have gotten three, four, five, six, seven, eight year prison sentences, and then take a look at two lawyers who threw a Molotov cocktail into a, an NYPD car. They literally were trying to blow up a law enforcement officer's car. They uh, made a plea deal to get, I think, three years, and then this Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, was willing to vacate that plea deal and see if they could give them even a lesser sentence for trying to blow up a police car uh, in New York City. When you look at the difference between how they acted, they put significant lives in danger by doing what they did and what went on in the Capitol. You see that why so many people feel like the system has been corrupted, that there is a thumb on the scale and those with a conservative pedigree get punished to a different level than those with a liberal pedigree. But the the, the way that the summer of 2020 protests were handled versus the Capitol riots uh, just a few months later really creates a clear case. And again, I'm not defending any of the people who went into the Capitol or beat a police officer. You deserve to go to prison if you do those things. But there should be equal outcomes. There should be equal punishment for people who did similar things. And there clearly isn't when you look at the sentencing and outcomes of the cases of the summer of 2022, excuse me, summer of 2020 violence of perpetrators and those who went into the Capitol. That is a problem. And that leaves a, this, uh, a great distaste in many Americans' mouths. Well, it it should uh, 
at the very least, they should have an upset stomach because <laughs> there's nothing we, we seem to be able to, no one no. seems to be able to do anything for these poor people who are prisoners. They are political prisoners of the Marxist left in this country. And by the way, we're not far from being in that same position across this country, all of us, because the next step is not that far away for these Marxist Dems, these totalitarians who pretend to be uh, liberals when they're actually Marxist Dem uh, authoritarians. They are, without question, uh, intent on destroying this country, in my opinion. Uh, let me ask you this. We, we get to one point after another, whether it is the J6, whether it is uh, the, the Russia hoax, whatever it may be, the John Durham, somebody seems to have something on somebody, and I don't think that's an accident. I believe that the Marxist Dems are using blackmail to, without question, drive their agendas and create the result they want, which is uh, the destruction of their enemies uh, in the Republican Party and anyone who is not on the side of the left. Yeah, listen, I, there, there is a moment, a reckoning moment, I think, coming. And, and I think in the case of the Biden family, the American public will decide, will the Biden family be held accountable for what we now know to be egregious conflicts of interest, right? That even the State Department officials that work for Joe Biden now are willing to call it what it was, even though we were told in 2019, oh, it was no big deal. Will a family that overtly pursued foreign money uh, in the purview of their uh, government father's policy-making decisions, will it suffer some repercussion? Will it be fined, prosecuted? Will it be forced to give money back? Uh, those are the sort of questions. If the Biden family walks away unscathed with the racket of political influence peddling that they put together, I think most Americans are going to give up on the system that there's going to be accountability. And the second they lose that faith in their government, uh, the, the, the less they're going to vote, the less they're going to be engaged, the less they're going to want to pay taxes. This is a spiral that really puts the great American experience at risk. And I think it's so important that Republicans in these next 90 to 90 days to 120 days achieve a form of accountability that we haven't been able to get in the next six, seven years, or they're going to lose the fancy and the support of the American people. And it isn't just Republicans who will lose it. It'll be the entire government that no longer will be trusted by a large segment of the American population. Yeah. Ted Cruz is calling now you know, and the search for documents for the university of Delaware to, uh, to be investigated by the FBI. Sure. And when I saw that, I thought, that's great. Uh, I hope the committees are already doing that. Right. Uh, because we're not going to, there doesn't seem to be the overt understanding that we're dealing with the Justice Department that is the enemy of the truth, the enemy of honesty, and certainly the enemy of the Republican Party uh, and everyday Americans. So why isn't Ted Cruz and others, and I'm not picking on Ted Cruz, I think it's wonderful that he's doing this. I'm just pointing out the, the level of consciousness and, and language that's being used. It's as if he trusts the FBI and the Justice Department when he shouldn't even, even think of allowing that inference from his words. This is a time for everyone to understand. They couldn't get blackmail material on tr Donald Trump. They thought they could. They couldn't. So they framed him. Uh, they it's just a pattern that has followed all the way through the last seven years. We need to understand that these committees are our last and best hope, and they should act 
uh, with uh, all alacrity uh, as well as care. Yeah, yeah. The, listen, the uh, the rhetoric is all great. The requests and the ideas are great, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, statements without accountability, statements without penalty, uh, are going to be meaningless to the American people. Institutions like the FBI need to feel the pain where they most uh, relish their power in their pocketbook, right? Until the FBI stops doing the things it does, maybe it's time to cut their budget significantly. Until the uh, uh, big tech, uh, until the uh, if, uh, intelligence agencies stop meddling with free speech by forcing and pressuring big tech to censor us, maybe they should lose some of the budget. O money and power are the only two things that speak anything in Washington. And these agencies have been rewarded with bigger budgets and, and bit more powers despite uh, two decades of proof that they've done bad things. The only way to send a message to the bureaucratic establishment in Washington is to take away their money and their power. That will get their attention. Defund individual bad actors, defund agencies, or reduce their funding. That's the only way power is reduced in, in this town. And thus far, Republicans have been complicitous in continually giving these agencies more and more money. That's why we got a $32 trillion deficit. If Republicans are serious, the first actions they'll take against all these bad actors is to remove their power, regulatory powers, and their money until fixes are put into place. And I think that's what we need to be watching for with Republicans. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I, I'm going to, as you know, always, we give you the last word. Our guests always get the last word here. Uh, it, it, your concluding thoughts, John, on all this. There's a lot going on in the investigative realm with James Comer and Jim Jordan that we have to keep an eye on all of the developments and understand where these investigations are going and then see, are these investigations really leading towards an accountability solution or are they just made for TV movies like we got for the January 6th committee last year, which gave us a lot of mistruths, but some great entertainment. I think from my conversations with Congressman Comer and Congressman Jordan, who I've worked with in the past and have seen their work, they're serious about it. Their leadership seems to have given them the full uh, a flight stick, unlike Paul Ryan, who often stepped on the authority of committees and wouldn't let him go as far as they needed to go. Uh, but the proof will be in the pudding. At the end of the day, if these agencies aren't punished by losing power money, if people aren't fired, if there isn't accountability meted out, there's not going to be prosecutions with the Justice Department. So that's not going to happen. The only way to punish these deep state actors is to take their power and budget away. We'll see if James Comer and Jim Jordan does that. And I agree with you, 120 days is the judgment moment. By this summer, if big things haven't happened, we've gotten the same show all over again. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. John Solomon, Just the News, as always, great, great journalist, great American. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. A lot to consider in that discussion with John Solomon. I hope we can at some point soon awaken in this country. It is our country, and we have to make sure we're not just along for the ride. Our children and grandchildren are depending on us, and we can do better for them and future generations. Tomorrow here, our guest is Congressman Ben Klein. He serves on the powerful appropriations and budget committees. Coming up is the brilliant social critic and conservative thinker Heather McDonald and Congressman Troy Nels of Texas, member of the Judiciary Committee and former top Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. Join us tomorrow when our guest is Congressman Ben Klein. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 